Welcome to the Chiropractic Trust Podcast. The Chiropractic Trust has been created to protect, preserve, advance, develop, and adamantly defend practices of straight chiropractors who focus strictly on the location, analysis, and facilitation of correction of vertebral subluxation and ensuring that the choice of straight chiropractic care is made available to all humankind throughout their entire lives. The views of the interviewees do not necessarily represent those of the Chiropractic Trust. And now, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. This is our chat, Chiropractic Trust chat with Jennifer Doriot, who is a chiropractor in North Carolina. And I call her JJ. She's a great friend of mine. And this was an exciting call. I really love JJ. I literally watched her start her practice from zero to what it is today and watched her build it. And she is, what's amazing about her, there are several things, but she's really dialed into the philosophy. She did not get it in school. She came out, started reading books, started figuring out, moved to a city where she knew no one. And started this wonderful practice and developed this great practice. And our conversation took us to a whole bunch of different places from finances to loans to what it's like to start a practice and even to some of the unexpected pitfalls like uh, injuring yourself and some of her journey. And it was an amazing time. Anytime I get to chat with my buddy JJ, it's a happy day. So I hope you enjoy this call. Uh, It's a really good one. I had fun. And we're live. We are here on the conference call with one of my good friends and absolute favorite chiropractors in the world. I was just thinking, I said, man, if like the unfortunate part about chiropractic is we're all on our own little islands, you know, but um, yeah. I think it's uh, if we were ha- if we were in the same hood. JJ, we would be totally like each other's chiropractor and hang out all the time. Uh, You are one of my true friends in chiropractic. So I feel very lucky to be on the call with Jennifer Doriot. And uh, we're going to talk about a few things. And because I know you so well, we can kind of get right into it. But um, the first question, because I want to talk about the beginning of practice, Jen, and really like starting a straight practice, because I think you bring a, a very unique perspective to that because I consider myself old. I graduated in 2001. So I'm like at this point, you know, almost 18 years in. So I think of, you know, when a person asked me how to start a practice, I can't even remember how it was exactly. Like I can't give them, you know, the, it's not as fresh as it should be. So, um, I remember, I still have some of the battle scars of starting a practice, but, um, I figured I'd ask you, how long have you been practicing now? Six and a half years. So it'll be seven years in March. All right. And, and you started, um, so we'll get into your story for a second, but I just want to set it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you started, um, when you started your practice, was it directly out of school or did you want to do one of those? Like you worked for someone first? No, it was directly out of school. I, uh, I graduated November of 2011 and I opened up my practice in March of 2012. It was one of those things all through school. I always knew that I wanted to have my own practice and I figured that's what was going to happen eventually someday, so I might as well just get going and do it because, you know, we'll get into this, but I had a very specific vision and specific and not common way that I wanted to practice, and I didn't want to waste time living somebody else's vision when I could just get my own going. 
That is awesome. And you're one of those people who, what I know about you, you like your, that's your way, that's your attitude. So you move to, right. I, I'm sure everyone can detect that little bit of Minnesota accent that you haven't lost. So you have, you're from Minnesota, but you moved to a city all by yourself. Didn't know anyone started at nothing. Right. And literally like, so tell how you did that and how you made that choice. Yeah. It sounds crazy when other people say it, but it really wasn't that it didn't seem that crazy to me at the time. So yeah, I was, I was born and raised in Minnesota. And I think I probably have a little bit thicker accent right now because I was just up there last weekend visiting family. <laughs> it rubs off I go on back you, right? up there, It does. If I'm <laughs> up there for like a week, I come back and I'm like, dang, man, it, it like thickens it up a bit. <laughs> but yeah, I was born and raised there, but the rumors about Minnesota are true and the weather just sucks. <laughs> it's just not enjoyable at all and I knew that I wanted to get out of there as soon as I could and so in my last trimester of chiropractic school I went to Northwestern up there in Minnesota but in my last trimester of chiropractic school I moved down to Charlotte North Carolina and I did my last internship down here and like you said I knew literally nobody when I moved down here I packed up myself as many belongings as I could fit in my Honda Civic put my dog in the front seat and we took off and we just we drove down here I landed in my uh, in my apartment complex that I first lived in around like 3 a.m. and I'm unpacking my car bringing stuff up to my apartment and a police officer rolls through the, the parking lot and I'm like oh boy and he pulls up to my car and he was like miss is everything okay? Like deeply concerned, you know, it's like 3 a.m. I'm a young, young female unloading or loading my car. And I was like, oh no, I just moved here, blah, blah, blah. And so that was the first person that I got to meet when I moved to North Carolina. But <laughs> I, I was nervous. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I was nervous. I was scared, but I knew that I had to at least give it a shot. And while I didn't have a plan B, I always just, in the back of my head, I was like, you know what? If things don't work out, the worst thing that happens is I just have to pack up and I crawl back to Minnesota with my tail between my legs and I start over there. Like, so if I'm going to take this risk, I might as well take it now. Well, don't get it twisted. You make it sound like um, it was this easy idea to, to do, but it is uh, that is incredibly brave. And I can only speak for myself in saying I don't think I would have had the guts at that point. I moved back to like my hometown and was living in my parents, you know, my old bedroom and all that and was, you know, completely like sort of a... Uh, riddled with fear and I think that's a um, there's a lesson in there too that you just didn't have that fear you must have had a few suitcases full of cash right and hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. to start this big amazing booming <laughs> practice so what did you do uh, when it was time to start a practice like you mentioned a little bit like you had a very specific vision and uh, what was your vision and how did that how did you make that that play out yeah, so there's, there's there's a lot that wraps up into that, I guess. As far as, like, the gigantic stacks of cash, you laughed because you know that that's just not true. But I did work in my school's fitness center. Like, all throughout chiropractic school, I worked in the fitness center. And um, I'm a frugal person, 
just by nature. Ever since I was a little kid, I've just been a saver. You know, I used to put money in my piggy bank, and I said I was saving it for college. So I'm a natural saver. And during the course of chiropractic school, I was able to save up $12,000. And Great job. when I'm, yeah, you know, now some of that I'm sure was not all from working in the fitness center, but probably just leftover loan money that I hadn't spent, you know, mm. during that trimester. But I would just save everything. And so that 12 grand, I, I literally lived on that $12,000 supported me for, God, let's see, I moved down here in September. I didn't start paying myself. I started paying myself late. Summer. So I lived off that 12 grand for almost nine months. Um, and I just lived like... Student style, really rice person. and beans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a really poor person because I was. Yeah. And uh, it was great. It was great. So I had that money. Now, to start my practice, I did, and if I could go back, if I could go back and do things over again, I know everybody says this, I know you have feelings of this too, but I would have done things way differently. I could have saved more money than I did in school, like a lot more money, and I wish I would have done things differently there so that I would have just had my own cash to start my practice. However, I didn't. And so my plan was to take out a business loan. And I wanted to take out $40,000. That was, I had this huge business plan. I, I can't tell you like how many pages this thing must have had, but it was like an inch thick. I spent so many hours working on this business plan and I'm going to take this to banks and they're going to see how prepared I am and they're just going to want to give me my loan. Well, I, I remember I went and oh, Wells Fargo was the first bank that I went into and I go in, I'm, you know, I'm dressed in my nicest outfit I have at the time and I've got my business plan. I sit down with this guy and he doesn't even really open my business plan. He asked me a couple questions like about my financial status and it was pretty bad at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, anyway, he turned me down. I went to another bank, turned down a third bank turned down. I went to four or five banks and it was just like, none of them would even give me the time of day. And looking back, I can't blame them. I mean, right, of course you? not. It's, right. If you're that person, God, right? right? You're, like if you're that person looking at you at that time, like they're probably doing everything <laughs> they can, but to, but to laugh. Right. Like, I know he's like 26 year old, just graduated school, never run a business before $150,000 in debt. Like if you want to take the highest risk, most liable option, then yeah, grab me up. But it was right. just like, in my head, I'm like, I got this guys. Like somebody believe in me, but <laughs> I get it. So a friend of mine, by this point, I'd actually made a friend down here. So that was great. Another chiropractor. And he told me about this small local bank that he had gotten a business loan for through. And so he gave me this guy's name and I go into, it was Yadkin Valley Bank. I go in there, bring my business plan. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like my, this was like my last ditch effort. If this didn't work, I was going to go. I had a great uncle who was fairly well off, you know, the rich uncle thing. And I was going to ask him if he would borrow me the money. And I knew that uncle would borrow me the money. And I knew that all along, but I, I hate 
owing people money, especially family, and I did not want to ask him. So anyways, I go into this bank, sit down with this guy, same thing. He like kind of lightly flips through it. But then he just starts asking me questions, but he's asking me different questions than the other banks were. It's not like, what's your debt to asset ratio and blah, blah, blah. It was just like, he was just asking questions about me. And at the end of it, he kind of, he sits back in his chair and he goes, you know, sometimes in business, you have to take a chance. And you seem like you got your head on straight and I'm willing to take a chance on you. So I'll give you your loan. Whoa. And I was like, seriously? And he was like, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> you know, like, I can't believe it. Right. And then he goes, he's like, are you sure that 42000 is enough money? And I was like, yeah, I'm positive. And he was like, you're sure? You don't need more? And I was like, no, that's plenty. I'm positive. And he was like, all right, you got a deal. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. It blew my mind. So <clears throat> use that $40,000 to open up my practice. And honestly, as you know, like with a membership practice, your overhead, like it's such a minimal setup. I didn't even use half that money. That's what I was just going to say. Like you, you were like, oh, 40, 42 is my number. But like in hindsight, looking back, it was probably way more than you needed, right? Oh God. It was, it was double or maybe a little bit more than it was. Yeah. But again, like I really like having a cushion of money and I think, I think having extra money in the bank and like having a pad, having savings, a cushion gave me peace of mind where I could do things differently than if, you know, I had 500 bucks in my account and like you're panicking because you need to pay a bill or whatever. Right. I didn't I mean, have even to though have it that is, feeling. Even though it is debt, and we like to talk about that, but right, when you're starting, like, yes. I guess that philosophy is, you know, you, you can borrow too much and you can borrow too little, and all of a sudden you're, you're tapped out right away and you're scrambling then, and, yes. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so, needless, like, I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit, but um, I ended up paying off that loan a year and a half, maybe two years early. And I wanted so bad that I took my last payment to the bank in person because I wanted to shake this guy's hand and like thank him from the bottom of my heart for giving me a chance and for, for doing that for me. And he didn't work there anymore. And I was so disappointed. I know because I just, I wanted to thank him for taking a chance on me and for giving me, giving me the chance to do it. That is such an awesome thing. And it explains, you know, the type of person you have and probably why you have the type of practice you have. Uh, Not to segue too far, but you should probably look him up on LinkedIn or something like that and shoot him a message or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so, all right. So then you I don't even know if thing. I answered your, <laughs> no, I don't you even don't. know so, if I answered your question. No, we're, we're just chatting up. See, the funny part is when we chat and we don't chat enough, by the way, I'll put that little plug in I there, agree. But we need to chat more, <laughs> but, um, you're one of the few people in my life that I like implicitly trust with like talking 
personal finances with. And like, so Mm -hmm. it naturally, I think it's a natural thing that we sort of, when we get chatting, like we gravitate to, because we both have the same mindset and uh, we both gravitate towards that idea. And I think like, you know, I consider you a, uh, you know, mentor and like sort of colleague in the, the fight of like, being a good steward of money, you know, and I know you're along yeah. that line with your family and I am with my family. And, um, so, but let's, uh, let's keep rolling. So you, you started your, or maybe we're just going to talk about money this whole time. That's fine too. We can do it. We could. It's, it's a necessary <laughs> you and I seem to tend. Yeah. We tend to roll into that a lot, don't we? Yeah. It just sort of, I don't know why, but it happens, but you need people in your life who like have those things. You're one of the few people that, you know, I would ask that type of question. So you, you start your practice. Well, you and start, I think that oh, go ahead, go ahead. for some reason, for some reason, money is such like a taboo subject, but it is so important to talk about. And I don't know, for me personally, like I feel some level of guilt and almost stupidity for having like such high student loans and having to pay back like such this great sum of money. And uh, it's nice to be able to talk to somebody and not feel judged and to know that they are like, you have done what I am on the path to doing. Like you've like, you've done the thing and I can't wait to get to the spot that you're in. So it's nice to talk to somebody that's done exactly what I'm doing right now and just be able to talk freely about it. Well, let's talk freely then. So you, so when I graduated, (laughs) I had a terrible, terrible, uh, poverty complex like that student. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty common. Like uh, I think it's common in all fields, not just chiropractic. I think it just gets accentuated in chiropractic because we finish our undergrad and then we like put the whole thing on steroids and do three and a half more years and increase the debt burden exponentially in that short amount of time, you know? And then we all start at, at zero. I remember when I was, uh, it's a funny story when I was getting married. So uh, I'm Catholic and like you meet with the priest and he like goes over this blah, blah, blah with you. And he's, and like, he, he fills out these survey. It's like a compatibility survey and you fill this out. And I remember like, there's a little section on finances and there was maybe like five or 10 questions. And, and, and like my wife, fiance at the time, my wife was like, we were diametrically opposed in finances, everything else we matched up well, but finances, we did not match up well because she was like graduating. She had some student loans. Um, and then she was like going to work. She was going to do a nine to five job and all this stuff. I was in chiropractic school. And so I was like, I'm going to graduate. I have the prospects of making $0 because I'm starting. I don't, I won't have a job. I have to kind of find my way and make my way. And I'm going to have six figure debt. And so it was like, I was just a complete like financial disaster. And like you said, it was, almost like this yoke around your neck that you're carrying around and you just feel like, like less than I remember graduating and feeling like I wasn't, you know, as good as even my old buddies and friends or other peers, your age or that kind of thing. You feel like you in a weird way, like you did something wrong, you know, like you're behind the eight ball already. Yeah. Yep. Now, did you graduate with, did you have a poverty mindset or, I mean, you, you're pretty brave to start your own practice and, you know, that kind of thing. Did you suffer from any of that? I want to say no. Like, I, so when I graduated, like I had these grandiose plans that like, I'm going to pay off these student loans in like five years. Like I'm going to be that person that just like 
tackles this and slams it and just kicks it in the ass. But, you know, yeah. I mean, starting a practice sometimes, you know, you, I'm like, I'm going to grow at this rate and this rate, and stuff just never works out exactly how you planned it. And while I grew at a, a pretty rapid rate, in my opinion, you know, I, was, I paid off my business loan, and I wanted to pay that off early and, and get that done. Because you and I both are in the, you know, we know of Dave Ramsey, and anybody who knows of Dave Ramsey, he's got this thing, the debt snowball, where you start with the smallest debt, and you, you make your minimum payments on all your, all your loans, but that smallest one, you slam it with everything you've got. And then when that's gone, you take all the money you're putting towards that, roll it into the next, and then it has a snowball effect. And so that was... I had done the Dave Ramsey, his class, when I was in chiropractic school. And so that was my plan. Because at that point, I was lucky in that when I got out of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I went to a community college. And also, fortunately for me, my chiropractic school had this program where if you had an associate's already and you had all your prerequisite classes, you could just take some additional classes and earn your bachelor's degree while you were earning your chiropractic degree. And so oh, that's pretty cool. I did that. Right. And so going to community college, like I worked and I just paid cash. So I didn't have any undergrad debt coming into chiropractic school, which, which was nice for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress. Now so when you got, to, I was doing the, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Okay. So I was doing like the debt snowball thing and I paid off my, uh, business loan early. However, this is like young, naive brain. I had been making my minimum payments on my chiropractic student loans. However, it was on an income-based repayment. <laughs> like my income was darn near zero, you know, at that point. And right. so the, I was making like, you know, $600 payments a month. I don't even remember what it was, but whatever it was, it wasn't even enough to cover the interest that I was accruing every single month. So I pay off my business loan early and I'm like, sweet, let's get at these student loans. And I go and look at them and they had gone from like 140 when I graduated to 162,000. It's a freaking and scam, I just had this right? Moment, dude, I was like, shit. I don't know if we can cuss on this thing, but sure thing. <laughs> But I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Because I totally could have paid a little bit more towards these and at least kept them even. Mm-hmm. And like, I might have cried about it even because like, I was so upset with myself for letting that happen. And, but, you know, it was like, well, it is what it is. Let's, let's get rolling on them. When I um, when I graduated, I think my loans were like I didn't have undergrad loans. I think my loans were like right around a hundred thousand, and so I mm. came out and I refinanced. And my my era of graduation. So as soon as I graduated, like the percentages went down every year. So like everyone who was refinancing year after year after me got better and better 
interest rates, but once I refinance one time, I could not refinance again, which is another scam of it all. Uh, and so I okay. refinanced down to like 6%, which like, and the ensuing years after, it was like people were refinancing at like 2 and 3%. It was great, right? But you refinance into this 30-year loan. And I was like, you know, I'm graduating, I'm 26. I'm like, that's, I'll be 56 before I pay these off? Like, this is, that's like crazy. So, um, so I sat there and I, I didn't want to look at it or think about it. And I just wanted to make the payment, like the minimum payment, you know, the appropriate payment every month, whatever it was. And I just kind of rolled along. And as I was, so you were starting your practice and growing it and hitting, hitting home runs left and right and doing this awesome thing, which we'll probably talk about eventually. And, um, and I was transitioning my practice from sort of like a, what I call regular old chiropractic practice where I took insurance and all that stuff and straight-ish, but not as straight as we practice now. And, um, and I looked down at my loans one day and I was like, I've been out of school, like whatever it was like seven or eight years now. And I think I have, I think I only paid off at that point, like 25% of the principal. And I'm like, I'm eight years in and I've paid off like a quarter of like, most of this has gone to interest. Like, it's just sort of like, duh, but it's that stark reality of like, man, in practice, this is what it looks like when you're, when it, when you're doing it, I'll never pay these things off. And then I just, uh, over a period of time, like that kind of graduated me out of the, the poverty mindset. I, I also think for me, um, when I stopped taking insurance, that was a, a, a great thing that changed my mindset regarding money, you know, because I, I had a value for a dollar. I had a value for a chiropractic patient reaching into their pocket every day, every week or every month or whatever, mm -hmm. and pulling money out and handing it to you versus this sort of fictitious third party that just made money appear in a check in the mail. Like it just changed things for me. And so, yeah, I just changed my whole thing. And in two years, I, I just switched gears. And in two years, I paid off the rest of the the 75% remaining balance on the loans. And just like, I was like, that's it, done. I'm not sleeping, breathing, or eating till these things are gone. And it was like, it was a great lesson. More than anything else, it was a great lesson. Right. Uh, so how do you, so tell me this. I can't remember how I grew a practice. So you start at zero and you're growing this, you're, you're like, how did you market? What did you do? How did you get people through your door? You didn't even, you knew, all you knew so far is the cop. Right. So how did you uh, <laughs> how did you get out there in the world? You know, it's funny. I think back now and it's just like I can't even remember those first year or two. Like it's it seems like way more than six or seven years ago than all that happened. But I do remember I had I would do some sort of external marketing event at least two weekends every month, you know, whether it was like a 5k race or some little craft fair or some whatever. I did do a lot of that in the beginning. Um, and you were, uh, do. weren't you doing uh you were involved like with the, like, so you parlayed your fitness thing right into the CrossFit world. Oh, kind of yeah. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. I'm thanks. here for you, Jen. So, I'm here for you. I'll be here all morning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> holy crossfit was huge that was huge um yeah i joined crossfit a crossfit gym near me about a month before i opened my practice and anybody who does crossfit just knows it's a it's a big giant community 
and you get to know these people really well. And I just became known as the chiropractor. And I'm not kidding. I would show up for a class and I would have people I hadn't met before and they'd come up to me and they'd be like, you're the chiropractor, right? And I'd be like, yeah. And they're like, oh, I need to come see you kind of thing. And so like people wouldn't even know my name. They just knew I was the chiropractor. And CrossFit, that was either my number one or my number two source of new members for that first and probably second year. Um, I was also part of BNI, which is a networking group. And that was another, that was definitely a top three source of new members for me too when I was starting out. And that was really, that one was really good. And then third, my location, I'm in a really high traffic location, very close to a busy mall. And uh, I have a banner that's on my building that advertises my chiropractic memberships. And I get uh, like more people than you would think coming in because they saw my banner. And so I would say like, those are my top, my top three things. Um, But yeah, and then I just tried to get out in the community and in the public as much as I could. Now that being said, I hate screenings. I, I do not enjoy external events. They, they drain me. They don't give me energy. I just, I feel like a used car salesman and we've talked about that before too. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And so these days I literally don't do them at all. I might do one or two external events a year, but it's like there's a neighborhood that's close to me and they'll have a pool party before school starts every year. And I'll have a table at the pool party and I'll host games and give prizes, but really that's about it. Yeah. Well, so, and so you're, so you're, <clears throat> I think that's important to almost reiterate. So you're, what did you say? Five or six years or seven years into practice and you're doing yeah. almost zero external marketing. Yeah. Literally no joke, like zero. And I haven't done external marketing in, I mean, consistent external marketing in probably four years. Those first two years, I, I did stuff. That first year, like, I, I hustled. I got out there. I did anything that I could do. Like, I just said yes to everything. The second year, I said yes to some things. And then by the third year, honestly, like, my practice was at a really good spot, and I just I didn't like doing that stuff. I had... And met my wife. I got married. She has two kids. Now I have a family and I didn't want to be gone on the weekends. And so I just kind of stopped doing those things. And it's been fine. I get referrals. People find me online. People buy the banner and like. It's It's like, it's like what our. And I compare my, I compare it to like these other chiropractors like that I see who have even been open much longer than me. And it's. I mean, the marketing that they have to do, it's just crazy to me. The amount of new patients that this one friend of mine sees, like he'll tell me, you know, he sees like 20 new patients a week and I'm like, good, Jesus, I don't even see that many in a month. Like, It's exhausting. It sounds exhausting, doesn't it? Oh, like, I would be doesn't it? <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like, I don't even know. If, like, Oh man, it does. It sounds draining. That's for sure. And I'm sure yeah. it is. 
our mutual friend and mentor, like Joe D would always say, like he said, Hey, like, you, you know, after a few years you, you have to, I think you have to do it just like you did. Like you get in the community and everything, but like, you shouldn't have to do that forever. You know, you shouldn't have right. to keep like beating the bushes and who wants to be 50 years old or 40 years old or 60 years old. And you're still doing like screenings or whatever. Now you can, you're five years in or whatever you are, six or seven years in and you, you can pick and choose what you want to do, you do a couple things here and there just because it's fun and in the community and you're probably hanging out with your kids there anyway. And then, you know, and, but you don't have to, if you didn't want to, you know, which is super cool. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where you want to be. You want to be able to do things because you want to do them, not because you have to do them. It's yeah. It's just so much more fun. One thing also, because I know you so well, it just makes it easy for me to ask these questions, but you, you know, I remember at that time, you know, so people say, okay, that's great. So what are you doing? You're getting people in and how are you doing it? But you're, you know, once they're in, you're teaching them the chiropractic philosophy. And one thing I know about you, you were steeped in, I remember all the time, like, like early on when we were hanging out in, on Facebook and doing all this stuff and we would talk, like you were reading blue books, like daily, like you were reading blue books, like oh, yeah. over and over and over and over and over. I to, still do. You still do. So tell me about that how often you read yeah, books and, or how often were you, you know, reading things then and doing things then to keep your philosophy on point? Because in my humble opinion, and you may disagree and you're free to, but like if I, uh, I think your philosophy, once people came in, you're hardcore, you know, your stuff you're on, you can explain it and articulate things in a way that makes sense to people. And they're like, man, this is a great lifetime chiropractic. I love this idea. It's a great choice for my family. This is awesome. You know? Yeah. Well, Reggie Gold said something to the effect of when you're on fire, people want to come watch you burn. And so what are you going to do to get excited about chiropractic? Does treating people's back pain and sciatica get you excited and like light your fire? And, it might, it might yours. It didn't mine. Like that wasn't what excited me. What excites me and, and gets me fired up is when an entire family comes in and mom gets pregnant and you take care of mom all throughout her entire pregnancy. And she has this beautiful, wonderful birth. And then they bring their teeny tiny, I have goosebumps right now just talking about it. Like they bring their teeny teeny tiny little newborn to you and they trust you with their little newborn to check it for a subluxation and you adjust that little baby and that baby gets to start off this life so much better than any of us ever got the chance to. I know you had chiropractic care when you were a young kid, but I didn't. And now this kid gets to grow up getting checked regularly, getting adjusted when needed Maybe that only gives that child like a 1% boost in their potential, but imagine what a 1% could do over the entire course of your lifetime. Like you could literally change the course of that little child's life simply from that. And that's what excites me. And so I wanted to take care of whole families because frankly, kids are just, kids are more fun to work with. They're the best part of my day. Like they come in they run in and they jump up on the table. They ask the best questions. They have the best things to say. It's just the funnest part of the day. And so I knew I wanted to have a family practice. 
and and so that's that's what I wanted to build. And now I was introduced to Joel Strauss and the Blue Books when I was in chiropractic school from Trent Scheidecker, who we both know. And if you haven't interviewed him, I'm sure he's on your list to interview because he's, I can't, he's amazing. The stuff that he's done is amazing and he is on point. So anyways, he introduced me to Joel Strauss and I read his book, Chiropractic Philosophy. And that was the book. That was the turning point for me. That was what sparked me into knowing that I wanted to practice this way and that I was going to be a straight chiropractor, an objective straight chiropractor. Previous to that, I had more of a traditional straight kind of view on things, but that was like the pivoting point for me. And from there, I just read anything of his I could get my hands on. And now I own every single one of the blue books and I will go through and I'll reread them. Currently, I'm reading his pivot reviews. Are you familiar with those? Yeah, I uh, I think I have a couple. Um, they were like they used to be published. They used to be like almost like a newsletter yeah. thing that would come out. It is. It's just a compilation of newsletters, and I really like them because it's it's one to three pages because it is. It's just like an essay kind of thing, but he put them in a book, and so every morning before I open, I read one. I'll read one of them and it might be a page, might be three pages, but I just, I read one of those just to get my little daily hit of philosophy. Oh, JJ, that's good. It's, it's, I'm a big, like, I love the new year's resolution. I ask people in my office if they like it. And a lot of people say, no, they're not, but I love like that. That is going to be on my list of, um, 2019 resolutions. I love that little, like read a little something before you start. It's great. Yeah. Well, and like the pivot reviews are just so easy because they're short like that. It's tough to like be like, I'm going to read a snippet from a green book every day before I open. Like sometimes that stuff is just super heady, really long and like BJ's writing. He was so smart, but it can be really hard to follow sometimes. And so, you know, it's good to set goals, but you got to set ones that you're going to be able to to hit because otherwise you're just not going to do it at all. And the pivot review is, in my opinion, the best way to do that reading. It's just easy. Are you a resolution person? Do you set, are you going to set like, like here's my 2019 goals? Do you do that or no? No, I don't. So have you heard of uh, Gretchen Rubin? No. She has the four personality characteristics. Okay. Well, you should look up Gretchen Rubin for personality characteristics or something like that. And there's okay. some quiz you can take and it'll tell you which one you are. But there's, her thing is that there's four different types of people. And you have, let's see, the upholder, obliger, questioner, and rebel. So the upholder is a person who, like, if they say they're going to do something, they do it. They don't need anybody to hold them accountable. They don't need anything. Like if they say it, they're going to do it and that's it. And then you have the questioner and like, if you ask them to do something, they're just, it's exactly what it sounds like. They're going to ask you a bunch of questions because they need to make sure that there's a good reason to do this and that they want to do it and they want all the facts beforehand. You have the obliger and this is the kind of person that they do best with an, if they're held accountable by somebody else, like an accountability partner, someone checking in on them. And then you have the rebel, and the rebel is 
kind of that person where you tell them what to do and they're going to do the exact opposite. Like they just, <laughs> they just, one of my sisters is a rebel and it's just like never on time for stuff. It's, it's just funny. <laughs> so those four characteristics, I'm an upholder. So like if I'm going to do something, I'm just going to do it. And I don't want to wait for a new year's resolution to come around I don't need somebody to like check in on me. Just if there's something that I decide I'm going to do, I do it. So that's kind of, that's kind of my thing with the resolutions. I'm like, why should I wait until January 1st? Like, I'm just going to start doing it right now. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but I do get it. And if it gets you to, to make a change, like if that's what it takes, great. Has there been any, are there any things um, that you're doing in your, uh, I, I mean, I want to say chiropractic practice, but I think we could say personal life too. Like, are there any things you're like, hey, I'm on this right now. This is what I'm working on with me. And here's the latest thing I've been doing with my practice or, you know, whatever. Oh, man. 2018 has been a really interesting year for me. Um on a few levels. So we haven't really touched on it, but like we'll get into it now because we wanted to talk about this. But um, what got me into chiropractic was I had a snowboarding accident and I herniated discs in my my lower lumbar. And going to a chiropractor, I recovered great from it, like near 100%, really didn't have any issues, whatever. Fast forward to... God, probably three years ago. And like, I just had chronic, awful back pain issues. And I had attributed it to CrossFit, honestly, like just pushing myself too hard in the gym and injuring it a couple times and then just injuring it one time too many. And I had to stop doing CrossFit. And this back pain... It literally plagued me for for the past three years, daily, like daily pain, constant. Towards the end, it was constant. And I just, I won't go through like all the details, but it was miserable. And like, it took a toll on me. It took a toll on my practice, my practice growth, really from 2014 until this year, it had stalled. Like I was holding steady, but like, you know, I'd gain a few members and then I'd lose a few and gain a few. So like, I always just kind of maintain this baseline. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to this year and a lot has happened this year. This was the first year that I really finally was able to start tackling my student loans with like full ferocity because even though I paid off that small business loan early, when I got married, my wife did bring in some debt of hers and it was <laughs> smaller than mine. And so we had to, we took care of all of her stuff first, you know, using the debt snowball method. Nice. So this year, 2018 was really the first year that I was able to get after those. And just to get the, the money part of 2018 out of the way, I started the year with 162,000 and some change on my student loans. And currently I'm sitting at 125,000 and some change. So 
Yeah. Crossing. Crossing. Dude, I know. It feels so good. Like, it feels so good. I can't tell you how awesome it feels to have made that big of a dent in one year. And next year, it's going to be even more. Like, Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I know. That gave me goosebumps too, man. I know. I was going to say, I just got goosebumps. That's cool. It's so good when you see like, you know, and there's that like, so you took a huge big bite and then you're like, oh man, but I still have this. Uh, so, so here's me versus you, right? So I'd be like, oh man, I still have this like 120, it's still six figures, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, but this year is going to be even a bigger, but that's what makes you JJ. This is going to be a bigger bite. And I'm going to kill it more. And I'm going to just obliterate this thing. That's awesome. And you're going to be like in two years, you're just going to be laughing. Yep. Oh yeah. I'm cr- yeah. I'm crushing these things. They're great. They're gone so fast. I can't wait. And, uh, okay. So that's like, that's the money. Oh, and on top of it in 2018, I also, Concurrently, while chunking away at these student loans, we got our home emergency fund is fully funded. Nice. So we have six. We have six months. Like if stuff hits the fan, we have six months of money set aside. I also did the same for the practice. I have four months of reserves set aside. So like, I feel so financially secure, stable, and like. I just I feel so good about where things are and where they're headed that it is such peace of mind I can't even I can't even put it into words. That's so, great because a year ago you were probably not great. in that place when you were hurting, right? No, no, not at all, not at all. So back to the back pain. This year it was it was it, oh man, it's so bad. I would uh, I could barely stand for like extended periods of time before my back pain would just get so awful. I couldn't sit like sitting for really any period of time was I think. And so in between members and my practice, I have this back room that's empty. I'd go back there and I would lay on the ground and I would lay on the ground and wait for members to come in. And then I would get up and come out of this back room and adjust people. And then I would, go back into my room and I'd lay on the ground mm. and I was like, there's just no way to live. Like I couldn't work out like I wanted to. And throughout, like I'm getting weekly massages. I'm, I'm getting adjusted two or three times a week. I'm getting spinal de- decompression twice a week. I'm getting electric stimulation. We're doing laser. I've done acupuncture. Now let's, um, JJ, I want to interrupt you for a second because I think we're talking, I think we're, I think you're touching the line and it's in a very important line. So I want to sort of set this up and I I want to ask you a question and I want to see how you would answer that. So here you are, you're a straight chiropractor. In your practice, you're, you have this lifetime practice. You just talked about how families come in and then you get to see them again next week and you have these people who come for years and you have also what you would call a non-therapeutic practice. You're straight as an arrow. When people are asking you about symptoms, you're saying, I don't treat symptoms as a chiropractor. I'm, um, you know, I'm here to remove your subluxations and let your body express itself however that looks. And then here you are being hit by this, you're stricken by this, um, you know, body crisis. 
and you're forced to go out into the therapeutic world and seek help. And I think a lot of chiropractors, you know, I think there's a segment of chiropractors who might be listening to this who are going, aha, see, she went out and she's like, she's mixing and da 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 So how do you like, like rectify that for me, right? So I'm sort of like, you know, Joe ignorant and I'm just saying like, ah, she's doing spinal decompression. I told you chiropractic isn't enough and blah, blah, blah. How do you philosophically rectify that? It's easy because chiropractic and the correction of subluxation is not for back pain. Like there are physical symptoms that you have and chiropractic's not a cure for them. Like it's just, it's not a cure all. And there is validity and purpose and a good time and a place for pretty much all of these therapies. Like they are beneficial and they can help with some things. And you know, I, I wasn't getting adjusted hoping that my back pain was going to go away. I mean, I'm just getting adjusted because it's the same as I eat healthy, not because I have diabetes or I'm trying to lose weight, but like, no, it just makes my body be stronger, more resilient, healthier. Like that's why I get adjusted. But yeah. yeah and I, I am For a lot of people that's issue. It's hard to answer, you know, like it for a lot is. of people, that's hard to, to understand, you know, of like chiropractic, this piece. And then they're stuck in this practice that like is addressing that like, oh, I'm sorry, Jen, you're, I've been adjusting you twice a week for eight weeks and your back pain hasn't gone away. And I guess chiropractic has failed you. And you never thought about that. You think about it in a, in a different way, in my opinion, the right way, but not the only way. Right. There's other legit ways to think about it, you know? So anyway, I interrupted right. you, but I thought that's an important. And I just wanted to sort of see how you, how you rectify that in your mind. Like, look, I need to, I'm having this thing. I need to go elsewhere. So I interrupted you. So you are, you're doing laser, you're doing decompression. You're trying to find a, um, something to stabilize your, you know, whatever's going on. Yeah. Cause like it's bad, you know, and I would have flare ups here and there where just, I mean, like I can't do hardly anything. It was miserable. Like I was, it was miserable. It sucked. So previous to this, this year, it had happened a, a few times in the past few years where like I had a flare up so bad where I had to close my practice for a week because I literally, literally could not walk. And let's fast forward to April, 2018 this year. And you know, I've been doing all this stuff and just kind of keeping things steady. I'd have some days were better than others. Come April and something happens and I have a flare up and dude, it took me out. I had to close my practice for a week. When I did reopen, I had to have some chiropractor friends come in that week and adjust my members for me because like I physically I just physically couldn't do it and it's at this point that I'm thinking I don't know if I can be a chiropractor like I don't know if my body can physically handle this career for the next who knows how many decades and so I'm starting to think like what else am I going to do with my life because I I don't know. I really, really don't know. And it was a really scary, really, really, really scary time. 
And on top of that, not only I might not be a chiropractor, but like physically what's going to happen to me as a person? Like if this is what my life is like when I'm 30, what does 65-year-old Jen look like? I don't even know if I want to be living. Like I, the quality of life. If if this is what my quality of life is like at 30, if it's going to get worse by the time I'm 65, like it's not even, that doesn't sound fun to me at all. Hmm. So right after that, that really bad spell, I, I went and um, I met with a neurosurgeon because I was like, this is the only thing I haven't done. Let's just hear what they have to say. And we left that and I turned to Rachel and I said, there's no way in hell I'm getting surgery. Because what he wanted to do, he would have did an artificial disc at one level and then a fusion at the next. And I'm like, there's just, I can't, there's no way, there's no way that will end well. So I was at like the end of my rope. And I, I am very much an independent person. I don't like to ask for help. I like to take care of things on my own, all that. And so that's what I'd been doing up until this point. And I finally was just like, you know what? I need to ask for help because maybe somebody knows something that can help me. And maybe I'm just missing some really simple something. And so I went on the membership page. We've got this Facebook page and it's all membership chiropractors. And I know it's kind of a, a safe space for me. So I went on there and I just finally told everybody like what I was dealing with and I asked for help. And the response I got was overwhelmingly awesome. Like chiropractors are just the best people, period. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They're just good people. And God, long story even longer. Uh, everything that was posted on there, it was all stuff that I had tried. And I'm like, hey, I've done that, done that, done that. And somebody was like, well, maybe you just need to do the surgery thing. I think chiropractors are so opposed to, you know, like you were talking about, chiropractors can be like so medicine's bad, medicine's evil, surgery never, blah, blah, blah. And like sometimes that stuff is necessary. And so there were a couple people saying that, like, you know, sometimes – it is necessary. And I, I read that and I was like, yeah, but I don't think it is on this time. <laughs> and anyways, a couple posts later, Pat Jelinek, she posts and she's like, hey, I know a guy who can help you. He does energy healing. I know it sounds crazy, but message me if you're interested. And then like two people below them commented, they're like, do this. Yes, you must do this. And I'm like, well, that is one thing I haven't tried, (laughs) you know, energy healing. And I'm kind of a skeptical person. I'm very, like, pragmatic, logical, whatever. But I message her anyway, and I'm like, what the hell? Give it a shot. And, uh, yeah, so I contact this guy that she put me in touch with, and we chat, and he's, like, asking me questions about my childhood and emotional things and blah, blah, blah. And then he recommends a couple of books for me to read. And this book that I'm about to tell you literally has changed my life. Like has given me my life back. 
And it's Healing Back Pain by Dr. John Sarno. Yep. And the funny thing about this book is I had this book on my library list for two years, and I never checked it out because my thought was, how is a book going to help my back? That's the stupidest thing. And he told me to read that book, and I was like, wow, that's funny because I've had that on my library list. And so I get it, and I pick this book up, and I read it. And by the time I get done reading that thing, my back is like almost 50% better. And so he has two more books, and I read those other two books. And anyways, now sitting here in December, this is back in April, sitting here in December, I have virtually zero back pain issues. Like I'm back, I, last week I did 130 pound deadlifts for eight reps and like I'm back to back squatting. I can go through my whole day and have zero issues. I don't have to go lay down in the back of my room. I can sit in a plane and I can take a three hour flight and sit in the seat like a normal person and not have any issues. Like things that I thought I was just doomed to suffer with forever they're completely gone. And Whoa. It's funny. I've recommended that, but I've never read it. I, I, my understanding is maybe you can clear something up for me real quick. There's the three yes. books, right? But I heard they all build on each other. So if you're going to read one, you yes. read the most recently published one, right? Like the third one. No, if you're going to read one, read the, if you, I recommend people read his first one first. Oh, okay. Like read them in the order they were written. Um, okay. Because the last one gets more into... So... <sighs> To give kind of like an overview of what this book is about, he talks a lot about the mind-body connection and how powerful the brain is and how much of an effect it can have on your body. We tend to like separate the two, the brain from the body, but they're very connected. And that a lot of people's uh, back pain is due to subconscious repressed emotions and feelings. And no one and I, likes to hear that idea. Yeah, Nobody likes no. to hear that idea. I've recommended and this I book. Know. I've never read it, but uh, the, the, no one likes to hear that. <laughs> I, I hate, like, even talking about this book because, like, you say that kind of stuff and people are, like, even I would have wanted to roll my eyes and be like, seriously. But, like, you got to just read the book and seriously just – and it's – everybody has these not everybody has back pain, but like everybody has like repressed subconscious emotions. And for some people, like they're big and need to be recognized and dealt with, or they're going to express some other way. But I hate even talking about it. Cause like it, it makes it seem like, wow, are you like just an emotional mess? And no, I'm not. No, it's yeah. But, it's not, but it's, that's not what it is, you know, but you, you no. said, it, it's the, it's the, um, it's the reluctance of people to consider that in part of their lives. Like you tell people if, and, and again, we're straight chiropractors. We don't typically recommend this stuff, but like in looking at ourselves, right. I'm sure you looked at yourself and said, geez, maybe it's gluten, right. Or maybe it's dairy. And then you'll like, you'll go to that right away. Like, ah, it's gluten. I need to go paleo diet. Right. Or like keto diet and do all this. Like, you know, we'll go there very willingly in our lives, but we'll very reluctantly mm-hmm. explore like the mind, you know? And, um, I've recommended that. Like I tell people all the time, like, like 
if someone comes in and they're they're sort of not getting it and they're having trouble understanding that like because they've usually been trained by other chiropractors that chiropractic is for back pain and you're just supposed to adjust my back like I'll, I've recommended that book to people before who like like are mm-hmm. not understanding the idea that I'm not here to treat your back pain I am here to remove your subluxation and let your body express itself how it needs to and look I'm adjusting you, it's still expressing itself in the um, dynamic of pain. And so that's your body's expression. If you want your pain to go away or want to understand that better, you need to explore why that is. But, like, I'm not here to treat that. That's not what I do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, like, it tends to be more predominant in people who are uh, kind of like me, like the upholder who take on a lot of responsibility feel a lot of pressure, create a lot of pressure for themselves, I guess I should say. And like, you know, the drivers, the pushers, the whatever, like you just, you put a lot on yourself and when you have a lot on your plate, like it's a lot for you to process. And sometimes it's just a little bit too much and you need to, to chill out or else, yeah, it's going to bite you. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go too deep in the weeds with this, but um, well, what, 2018. Well, all, so anyways, all this to say that in figuring out this stuff, this is how much your personal life affects your practice and affects your business. And you like to think that you can keep the two separated, but you can't. And, you know, I told you that my practice growth had stalled for three years. Well, this year I just crunched the numbers and my revenue for this year is up 8%. And my amount of new members that I have is up 9% That's from, awesome. from the previous year. So like so awesome. I'm finally like now I'm back on track now that my physical body and I've got that figured out now, now I'm ready to grow again. And what I love about you, JJ, is like, so you've used this experience to explore like yourself and what it means to be a better version of you and then translate that back to your practice so you could better serve your community instead of saying, aha, I need to start doing seminars in my office about how to heal back pain and sell this book to people and like sort of go down that route. You know what I mean? Like, which, you know, like, uh, you know, you're, you're. I think you're doing it the right way. You know, you're staying sort of true to you and using it as a vehicle to make yourself better. Well, I think that's how some people, you know, chiropractors get so tied up in these technique wars and they're like, Oh, mine's better. And sometimes these people have like a really life changing experience with, I'll just say upper cervical chiropractic. And so they're going to be an upper cervical chiropractor because that's what did it for me. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. I, I get it, but you also need to think about things a little more objectively. So, Well, let's do this, my good friend. Uh, we could talk about this all day, and we could talk all day. <laughs> and so here's our, here's our deal to each other. We're going to do this again sometime, um, and we'll talk about other stuff that day, whatever else is going on. But for today, here's how – so how I've been closing these interviews is um, – asking people four questions and I just want you to answer them how you want and then we'll sort of uh, close it off. So this is the part of the show that I call the four big questions. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) You ready? All right. So these are easy. They're easy. It's easy. So we've even touched on some. Um, What is your favorite chiropractic? Oh, this is going to be hard for you because you've already talked about several books. What's your favorite chiropractic book or other difference maker book that you've read 
recently or in life or whatever? What, what pops in there when I say that? Chiropractic philosophy for, for a chiropractic book, chiropractic philosophy by Joe Strauss. Like it was the thing that changed it for me. And it's the book that I recommend every chiropractic student read first. Um, and then what, uh, that's, yep. And then what, uh, question to oh, wait, what I got another, go, go. I got another book for, yep. it's more for business. And I think you've read it too. And it's the one by Oren, a pitch anything oh, by Oren uh, Claff. Oren Claff. Yeah. I haven't read that in a long Dude. time. Um, but yeah, yeah, but that's that good. Book, that book, you need to read that book. Cause, uh, that helped me change. That helped me form just the language that I use in my in my practice and how I speak to new members. And that, for real, that, that probably changed my ability to get new members. Like, I, if you walk into my practice, 99% chance you're signing up. Whereas previously, before that, it was probably more like 70. So, yeah, pitch anything. Right. That's a good one. All right, good one. I, I've, uh, I haven't read that in a long time. I have to reread that one. Uh, good work. Um, what is the biggest, so far in your career, what's the biggest either money or career mistake you made? So that idea of going back in time, what's the biggest hmm. you know, money, money mistake you've made? Uh, sleeping on the student loans not paying attention to those and letting them accrue interest. So to all the students out there, like pay attention to that. And at the very, very minimum, if, if you're not able to make big payments, you need to at least make a minimum payment every month that at least covers the interest and keeps them steady. Otherwise you're screwed. I would say I thought, that's my biggest. I thought you were going to say about your, um, as you started to achieve baller status and your practice was growing very, very well, especially as a new practice, and you bought a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> that, I bought that motorcycle on a, oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a super I bought button. that thing on Craigslist. Uh, you know, I'm not, I got a, oh, man, I got a story about that, too. So I lived in an apartment at the time. And I was, I was doing, I was doing well. And I bought that motorcycle and it was like a few grand and uh cool toy, loved it. And then I bought a motor scooter, which was like another $1,500. <laughs> and there's one day, the scooter for when the motor, for those days when you just don't feel like riding your motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Oh man. So I, I'm sitting one day, I'm in my apartment. I'm looking out my window at my Honda Civic, Honda dirt bike, and my Honda scooter. I like Honda. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what do I want right now? And at that point, I wanted a house. And I thought to myself, are your actions reflecting what you say you want? And I was like, no. And I posted the motorcycle and the scooter on Craigslist, sold them both that week, and ended up using that money as part of my down payment at my house. Good for you. So, yep, live and learn. All right, last question, JJ. Uh, what is your favorite part of having a non-therapeutic chiropractic practice? Oh, uh, there's no stress. It's, it's so easy. It's so fun. It's just your friends come in, 
and you laugh and you high five and I don't have to hear about people complaining about aches and pains. It's just fun, simple, low stress. It's just easy. I love it. There's literally no downsides. That is awesome. And how many years are you in now? How many years of practice? I've fumbled through it uh, this whole interview. How many yeah. years are you practicing? It'll be, it'll be seven in March. So yeah, I'm coming so you're, up on you're, seven. You're six years in, and your story of practice is, oh, it's fun, and I'm high-fiving people all day, and it's no stress, and uh, you don't have a staff, yeah. and you don't have anything like that. It's nope. just you in the office, right? Yeah, just you, and having fun, yep. seeing families, and being friends with people. And it's always been easy, ever since the beginning. Like... <laughs> not like easy like I just got to sit back and things happen but it's just always been fun it's always been low stress and it's always been easy <clears throat> well, like our friend Joe D says it's a pretty awesome part-time job <laughs> <laughs> my dad says he'll go to work and he'll talk about us and he'll be like yeah my daughter works 26 hours a week <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I can't believe it. <laughs> it is true. It, it, like, yes, I, I realize there's a, there's a whole other way to fly out there in the world. Uh, JJ, you are my, one of my best friends in chiropractic. I love you, my friend. I'm so glad you gave me some of your time, and uh, you were awesome. You, this is going to be great for people, and selfishly, it's going to be good for me. I'm going to take a couple of tidbits you gave me today and, and uh, start doing them in my own life. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love talking with you and I love, love sharing my story. I appreciate all the kind words and, and I appreciate you too. So thank let's, you, Damien. Let's talk again soon. Say hi to Rachel for me and give those kids a kiss. All right. Absolutely. I will. All right. See you later, my friend. So Jennifer Doriot, right. that's it for today. And we'll, uh, we'll do this again sometime soon. Absolutely. All right. See you kid. All right. Bye-bye. The Chiropractic Trust has been created to protect, preserve, advance, develop, and adamantly defend practices of straight chiropractors who focus strictly on the location, analysis, and facilitation of correction of vertebral subluxation and ensuring that the choice of straight chiropractic care is made available to all humankind throughout their entire lives. The views of the interviewees do not necessarily represent those of the Chiropractic Trust.